before we kind of go into the nitty-gritty, can you do like a little introduction to us? Tell us a bit about yourself, your company. I know that you're a main lead programmer, but you're also a CEO, so I imagine it's a, a smaller uh, company. Tell us a little bit about how it started. Sure. So uh, my name is Michael Poulos. I'm the founder and lead programmer for Synodic Arc. We're based in Bellevue in Washington in the United States. Uh, so we're working on a couple projects right now, primarily uh, finishing up work on Zombies Noir, which is a mixed reality game. And that launched actually last week in early access on the Oculus Quest 2 App Lab. And, you know, this chance we'll be porting that to other platforms in the future, but that's our primary target right now, just trying to get feedback out there about the game. So... Um... I think this is an idea that has been in the air for so long, the mixed reality thing. And we've seen a couple of examples, and I still see very interesting examples of how this can be done in an entertaining way and how you can build an entertaining product around it. So before we're going to go into thinking about it in a broad uh, way, Can you tell us a bit about how do you approach this in your game and what can be done in uh, your title? Mm -hmm. So I guess, obviously, the first thing people think of or should think of in mixed reality moving forward is basically combining like the real world with the virtual world. So what we do is uh, with the Agnes Quest 2's room setup feature, you're able to basically construct your room with walls and map out furniture to basically allow you to interact with those elements. What we do more specifically, though, is we let players uh, place door doorways in the game itself on your walls in your room. So what that means is that your room is essentially acting as uh, a portal for zombies to come from their world into our world. So what you'll see is once you place these you know, door portals on the wall, you'll see the zombie world out there, and then they're going to come in from their world into our world and that's all going to um you know work with the Oculus Quest 2's occlusion system um there's no like stretching or anything it all feels very natural and realistic which is very cool so um we talked a bit about how it works in your game and um we have seen a lot of examples of how it's done differently like probably one of the most prominent examples we've seen recently was uh, when a guy turned his whole house into like a SWAT uh, simulator where he was just doing, um, you know, like a Ghost Recon kind of uh, style game. And uh, there was like his sofa became the cover. He would, you know, traverse his and shoot like guys that were attacking him. Um, from from what you see just on the purely on the side of like when the project is done it seems like it's uh very easy to implement and my question for you is how difficult and challenging it is from a technical standpoint to create uh like a mixed reality title because there are a lot of elements that you don't really think about when you build your you know like a virtual title where everything's designed inside the engine and here you have a lot of different other things like what are the things that are very different here i think more so than from a technical perspective a heart one of the hardest things is the design perspective um i guess maybe we can start with the technical issues so it really depends what you're planning to do with a mixed reality title 
So what is nice is you have so many things built in automatically from the Oculus Quest 2's, you know, room setup feature, which just helps you, you know, work in this mixed reality space. So that that part is actually pretty simple. It gets a lot more difficult once you start needing to have different, uh, I guess, specifications for every single type of thing you're working in uh, or working on. So like, if you want your walls to be different from your ceiling, different from your floor, different from your furniture, all of those things can be done, unfortunately, but it is difficult to make each of them work correctly 100% of the time. Um, and then on top of that, if you're doing anything where you're, you know, severely changing the, I guess, you, what you would say, um, like the art of uh, stuff, that can also become a little bit challenging to work with. So um, you need to make sure that the size specifications are mapped out correctly, which you could probably do with some scaling. Um, but we have found in our experience that sometimes things from the API don't map out one-to-one -to, -one to what you would expect. So it can take a little bit of finagling to get that to work. Um, if I may speak on the design side of things, however, I think the hardest part is finding just a way to make playing in your house interesting. So with a normal VR title, the first thing that's going to come to mind is, you know, you have this infinite space in the game world and the game engine. It's really up to you as the, the game developers to make that space fun. But um, as a mixed reality title, we have to make sure that every single player's room is fun to play in. It doesn't matter how big or how small. We need to make sure that every size of room, with every set of furniture is going to be fun for the player. And I think that is one of the biggest constraints um, in developing a mixed reality experience that has caused us the most trouble. We've seen some examples where mixed reality is kind of linked to mobile devices. And that's kind of like my, uh, um, that's where we see a lot of interest from investors and companies and, uh, you know, trying to blend in the real world and, um, you know, kind of the virtual. And one of the very fun things I've seen, well, the first example is obviously the Pokemon uh, franchise how it went, uh, you know, viral and worked out uh, that way. But the other interesting example that I've seen recently is the stuff that guys at Vatom are doing. So it's like V-A-T-O-M. And um, they're kind of like this complex startup where there are like virtual worlds and NFTs and a lot of other stuff. But one of the coolest things that they're doing is that they kind of distribute this stuff the nfts and their uh, little objects kind of scatter them around geography and then you can walk around similar to like pokemon go and uh, try to check them out with your app and then you can do the same you can take this you know you know virtual items or whatever and you can scatter them and do like this tr crazy treasure hunt all over um how do you feel about the possibilities of mixed AR and uh, mixed reality in general um, with mobile devices and with traditional stuff like the Meta is doing um, in terms of like hardware. Do you feel like you have to use virtual goggles basically to, to make it work 100% or do you think stuff can be done with other tools like mobile you know, mobile devices, for example? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, 
obviously right now using a VR headset is the way a lot of things are mapped out. And that's just because that's what's available on the market. I think that it's only a matter of time until we see things like mobile devices also having similar capabilities. And I think that once that's available on both your standard Android devices and iOS devices, that we'll see a lot of developers taking advantage of that. And like you were giving the Pokemon Go example, I think it'd be very cool to see, you know, like if Pikachu's there um, on your sidewalk, that Pikachu's actually on the sidewalk and you can move your phone around and actually keep Pikachu in that, you know, same location. So I think that once we see, you know, those tools being offered, we'll see developers starting to take use of them. And I think that, you know, possibilities are endless. I don't think there's a reason why we have to be stuck on VR headsets only. And um, uh, when I saw the trailer for the game, I was really excited because it's, uh, for me, uh, because I'm a gamer with, uh, you know, coming, so I was born in the 80s, so I, I've played like a lot of different uh, generations, and I saw games evolve. Um, it's a very different experience when you th- see this kind of mix between the real thing that's around you and also the virtual elements there. And from your perspective as a developer, why do people like it so much? Like, why do you see... It, does it give more engagement to the user? Does the user feel kind of more in the, you know, in the moment when he's having experiences like that? Like, what are like the things that really trigger with the user? Yeah, um, I think that's a, another good question. I would say that a lot of it comes down to, at least when I was a kid, I'm sure so many other people felt the same thing when they were kids. Um, just, you know, playing with, like, toy guns and weapons, like bows and arrows, just, you know, make-believe as kids, right? But to sort of have that make-believe come to real life, right, is kind of what this, you know, mixed reality is doing. So when you're literally shooting zombies in your headset, um, it's kind of like that question of, how would I survive in a zombie apocalypse? And with mixed reality it's, you know, very realistic. So when you physically move around in the game world, or sorry, I should say in real life, which is the game world now because it's the same thing, they're mixed, you can actually dodge zombies, right? So if a zombie's right next to me in my room, I can physically move to the back part of my room to get away from the zombies. I don't have to worry about using a joystick to move around or change my position because it's literally my body that affects that. And I think that's one of the most engaging things about the game itself and just mixed reality games in general is that ability to have like this very realistic experience that really elevates, you know, VR has already been called realistic, but to really elevate that realisticness to another level. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The way way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out The Gaming Blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now. Michael, so we often hear this when we talk about mobile um, 
and VR games especially, that this is a little bit of a isolating experience. Like the, you put on your goggles and you kind of hide away from the world. And even like from the outside, it does look kind of creepy, right? If you've seen this image where, where you know, Mark Zuckerberg is walking around this uh, hall with a bunch of people kind of wearing those goggles, it, it, it does look like it's not a very <laughs> nice thing. But as people from the industry and people who kind of know how it works, we, we know that it can be a lot of fun when you're playing with friends and it's a, it's a, it's a different level of engagement when you're in this virtual world and you're in VR headset. In your opinion, when do we start seeing kind of more of those multiplayer experiences where it's not just uh, me in the headset, but maybe it's, you know, my wife with a AR um, machine. It can be maybe just, sim just glasses, regular glasses, or maybe augmented glasses, or maybe some mobile phone and so on. Do you feel like there is, a need for this kind of experience or maybe it's just that on this platform i want to just be alone and kind of work that way i think there's always going to be the desire for both types of experiences um similar to how i believe that we'll always have traditional gaming i don't think vr is going to you know deprecate you know console gaming slash pc gaming i think they'll coincide so in the same way, I think that you're going to have both single-player mixed reality experiences as well as multiplayer mixed reality experiences. I think with mixed reality being such a, I guess you'd say it's in its infant stages, right? It's very young. It's a new technology. Um, it's really only a matter of time until developers start to try you know, multiplayer experiences and cross-platform experiences. Like you were saying, maybe one person has their headset on, someone else is using their phone. Um, we've seen some games like that on Steam where some players play with a game like a traditional game controller, other players play with um, the VR headset. I think developers will have to experiment with this in the upcoming years and sort of see what works and what doesn't. Um, I would love to say I can predict the future. Uh, I don't think I can, of course, but I would expect that we're going to see a lot of multiplayer mixed reality experiences in the future because I think that's really going to bring mixed reality to another level past where we're already at. I think that's, to me, one of the most exciting things. Um, I have this question, and we're kind of slowly starting to drift away just from mixed reality and more into the realm of VR in general and um, kind of how we're going to perceive games. Because sadly, we're, or, or not sadly, we're kind of moving to the end of the year now, and it's, a, it's almost in September. We'll only have a couple of, and it's time to kind of start thinking about what's going to happen in the future. And you mentioned that you can't really predict it, but let's try to just fantasize a little bit. When, um, when you think about this whole concept of metaverse, and not just in the terms of that, you know, Facebook is doing, but, you know, Neil Stevenson kind of uh, metaverse idea, William Gibson kind of uh, idea of the virtual world. Um, from your perspective as a developer and the person who's been working a lot with kind of this mixed reality vision, where do you think we're going to start seeing the first adoption of this high concept? What are the spaces in our world where this would benefit, they would benefit tremendously if they had another layer kind of on them? Mm -hmm. 
Hmm, I think that's like a really open-ended question, of course. And to be frank, even though I'm developing games for, you know, the quests and the things that are in mixed reality, I still think the concept of metaverse is a little confusing to me, especially with how the term is thrown about, around so much. Um, and I think uh, it's also been interpreted in different ways, depending on who you're talking to. Um, so I guess depending on, you know, what sort of question or what sort of answer you're looking for there could maybe change what I'm going to answer with. But to sort of just start, uh, I guess some ideas that I would have just for how I would like to see this concept of metaverse taken in the future is being able to really, you know, again, I'm using the word elevate here, but it's like elevate things that already exist to another level. So I think, you know, way in the future, if we're at the point where people can just wear glasses instead of a whole VR headset, that would be really easy and much more accessible for people. But I can imagine if you're walking around at your local shopping mall or maybe you're at like a concert venue, just having these mixed reality elements could probably have some sort of interaction between you and everyone around you or like at a concert, you and maybe the person who's running the concert. Um, just having more ways to interact with the real world in this virtual world. I think that sounds very exciting to me personally. When, um, thank you so much for the answer. And I know that we can't really predict the future here or say what's going to be, but it's nice to see projects like yours where they kind of blend this uh, border, this thin line between what's real and not real. And kind of, I think it's a very interesting way of looking at it. And uh, from my perspective, a lot of companies which are much bigger, they're, they're thinking in the same direction. They think like, okay, uh, you walk around the store and you kind of feed more stuff into you. I, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or bad or how do you approach this. But um, my next question is kind of connected with uh, the implementation of this technology and the challenges of the development. So when you're thinking about a game like yours, right, when you're thinking about this blending of real and uh, virtual, what are the specific technical skills that, that you're looking for from engineers or artists, is it very different from the production of a traditional game? Or maybe it's kind of the same and the skills are the same and the tools are very similar? I think there's a lot of overlap with traditional game development, but I think it does require a much different mindset from the design side. So I think that can be the most difficult part is when you're working in a VR game, you need to think of it from a design perspective differently from a traditional game. And then with mixed reality, you have to think of it even more separate um, from traditional games because it's already different from your VR games, right? So like I was giving the example earlier, when you literally have to move around in your real space, you also have to account for that. And of course, on the engineering side, you do also need to be able to understand like, you know, how are we going to implement these mixed reality elements and so forth, which is a little difficult, but I don't think it's anything uh, that you're, you know, I guess mid-level or above software engineers couldn't figure out. I think it's pretty accessible, but um, artists, for example, will need to optimize their art a little bit better just uh, because there is that limitation of frame rate in the virtual world, especially when you're mixing in, um, you know, pass through elements as well, which has a little bit of frame rate overhead. So just think about like, you, you take your traditional stuff and you have to make it a little bit better essentially. 
to handle this mixed reality space. But I will say, I think it's still accessible enough for the average developer. I wouldn't say it's too different. Do you feel like we're going to still, because um, a lot of this optimization stuff is still kind of connected with the hardware requirements that we have in uh, both in like headsets and uh, mobile devices. Although they are maybe becoming much more powerful, they're still kind of lagging behind, you know, powerful stations that you could have at home. And uh, my question is, do you think there is another way of just kind of rendering the whole thing? Do you, do you feel like we'll see more streaming technologies taking place? Or do you think maybe some older technologies might pop up? So let's say, you know, WebGL or something like that. Do you feel like, like it's a viable option when you think about the delivery of those experiences? Or do you think it's still just going to be client server and we, you need to build a game and it has to run on some hardware that you have uh, on a platform? Uh, I'm not sure if I fully understood the whole question there, but uh, I, I'm sorry, could I actually repeat that one more time? I just want to make sure I'm answering it. Yeah, like when you're building this VR thing, right? Uh, do you feel like you could deliver it in a different manner? Like, for example, you can stream the game and then it will be available on a larger number of devices. Or maybe you can do a WebGL client and, you know, like a WebGL page. I know it still requires some hardware, but do you feel like it's a viable option or do you still think, you know, just build a game, let the player download it, optimize it to a certain, preferably the same kind of platform, so it's not really a lot of variety? What is like the, the better option from the developer's standpoint? So uh, I will say, especially in the mixed reality space, I don't really see this download capability to be an option. There are a couple other, sorry, sorry. Uh, I, when I say download, I was actually referring to streaming. I don't see streaming as being viable for this. Um, and there's a couple reasons for that. I think the biggest one is the input latency. Um, that would be really big in a VR game. And that's going to take a long time, I think, until we see very, very efficient streaming options for games, especially on VR headsets. Um, and as you may know, like there's definitely issues with nausea for VR games. Um, I believe that would also probably correlate with MR. But um, another one being that things like the pass-through, which currently is all handled on your own device, until the streaming options have like a back and forth setting for game streaming, um, I don't know if that would be functional. So to just give you a little bit of example here, if we're running all of this pass-through data on our own device that would then have to be passed up to wherever the game is running from on the server and then the game day would have to be passed all the way back to the client um and then we have to sort of render in a specific order which just might not be feasible for game streaming um, at least at this point in time it also sounds like a little bit of a headache from a developer standpoint i do think the simply just download the game onto your device is probably our best option for now, at least for VR and MR games. But I think, you know, like we said, you know, we can't predict the future, so we might have some good stuff coming out in the future, but we won't know until it happens. All right, so it's time for our uh, flash poll. So um, I'm just gonna start and we'll see how it goes. All right, so uh, what's your favorite game of all time? Uh, Super Smash Brothers. 
So, what are like the most underrated games that you can name? I know it's a flashball. I should think of something faster. I can't think of anything off the, off the top of my head. Um, underrated is a strong word here. I really enjoyed the uh, game Fantasy Star Universe. It wasn't amazing, but uh, I enjoyed it a lot. That was an MMORPG from mid-2000s. What in our uh, video game industry uh, fascinates you? What are the things that fascinate you? I think just seeing the creativity from all the different developers out there and constantly seeing new, I guess, new experiences is what I'm looking for. What's the coolest or funniest fact about you as a gamer? Uh, I barely play games anymore because I spend so much time making them. <laughs> are you like a are you like a sore loser when you're playing on Counter Strike or something like that? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I I used to be a little bit worse. <laughs> what did your parents think about video games and your career choice? Uh, they've always been supportive of me, actually, which I have to be very thankful for. I think it's also um, kind of a mark of time because I guess when my mom thought me playing video games, she thought I was just wasting time. Um, uh, so they're kind of supportive and they support you now as well. Um, so if you could do one job to the end of your lifetime, what would it be? Game development. Honestly, just making games. That's my favorite job I've ever had, and it still is. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Michael. It was very fun talking to you. Um, I will leave the links in the description to this video, and you can check the website for more links to your game. And uh, if somebody wants to join your team, maybe they can send you an email or contact you on social media or through your website, so you can maybe find some more teammates. All right. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Carl. It's been great. Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 Level Roundtable podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP. And share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.